0: emily hi robin we're here with can i steal you for a sec to talk about critical theory yeah <laughs> podcast about the bachelor as text um through the lens of critical and cultural studies
1: yeah and today we're going to be learning about the bachelor and post-colonial theory
0: okay so just like uh showering is Hannah's jam. Postcolonial theory is your jam.
1: That's true. I love postcolonial theory as much as Hannah and Colton love showering together. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so I'm
0: going to let so I know this is your your area so I'm going to let you lead on this.
1: Okay. Yeah, and I am I love postcolonial theory. It's something that has definitely like inspired me in a lot of my work, but um I am not homie baba, so I'm sorry um, if there are any deficiencies in my representation. And we are still always learning, like you can never read all of the literature. So yeah, just a disclaimer. But I guess I'll start off with like a definition of postcolonial theory, because postcolonial theory is a little different, I think, than um, like Marxist theory. I think postcolonial theory is more like um, feminist theory or queer theory it's like a very diverse body of theory um, and it studies the cultural legacy of colonization and imperialism and as a form of cultural theory, it's just much more diverse than any, like you can't say that like, Oh, these three things are something that you always apply when you're doing a post-colonial critique because of the diversity of um, like colonial experiences aclo- across the globe. So that's just, um, it's diffuse. There's a lot going on. Um, but I think, it really helps us like understand um, culture, globalization, and um, alienation in like a postmodern age.
0: Who? So who are who are colonizers and who are the colonized? Like in the far as the definition and how we're framing this.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, historically, um, we know that European nation states have engaged in programs of colonization and imperialism in. Um, Latin America, Southeast Asia, um, Africa, uh, like for example, the French colonized, um, Algeria. So usually there's, um, a division, a division between, um, like we could say European colonizers, you know, coming to Algeria and colonizing Algeria and, um, indigenous Algerians, um, are the colonized. But of course there's, that's a very like, um, that's a boundary that isn't always so clear. Like, there's a lot of fluidity when we're talking about um, the colonial experience and colonization, so...
0: Because wouldn't couldn't one argue that the U.S. was colonized?
1: Definitely, yeah. And um, the U.S. is very interesting because, um, like, we think of the United States as a colony, like, to Britain. Um, but, of course, these, like, colonial settlers um, engaged in programs like genocide um, mm-hmm. and, like, settler colonialism um, to... Um, to murder indigenous people, so we're already here. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. is interesting because it it was a former colony, but it also engages in programs of colonization, uh, like with Puerto Rico, for example, okay. and it continues
0: to do so. So my understanding of it is that it's more of a concept, um, like co- the colonized, it doesn't have to match up exactly with like a historical event of colonization because would you say that um, Native Americans are colonized here?
1: I think that, um, yeah, I think, like, that is a tricky question because um, I think, like, the indigenous land was colonized, but the question is, are indigenous peoples colonized? This gets into this, um, like, part of, like, post-colonial theory where we're thinking about um, historical practices of imperialism, like, who actually, like, where was settlement happening versus... What does, like, cultural colonization mean? What does it mean um, to be, like, assimilated? So, in some sense, I think indigenous peoples are engaging in practices of decolonization to fight against, like, white supremacy, um, uh, like, forced, like, Christian convert and things like that. Okay, so
0: it's in, it's sort of in the umbrella Mm -hmm. of the fluidity of the definition.
1: Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Like, post formal theory, that's a big body of theory. So we're just going to survey a few theorists and themes that emerge. And these themes include hybridity, discursive knowledge formations, binary logics, orientalism, um, positionality, the subaltern, liminality, diaspora. So all of these are, um, there's a lot going on. Um, and we'll do our best to kind of explain um, some of these things. But yeah. And so for postcolonial theory though, I think one important thing in like its development is that postcolonial theory has shifted from um critical theory that was supposed to be like attached to praxis of like actual liberation. Mm-hmm. So post colonial theory in that way is similar to Marxist theory. Okay, how can we come up with theory that can be applied to um to liberate, to revolutionize, to decolonize the Algerian nation-state, for example. But now I think post-colonial theory is not so material in its application. It's more of a cultural-based critique.
0: My I, my understanding was that it was um, connected to literary criticism. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Edward Said, one of the um, sort of founding fathers, I guess, of post-colonial theory, he... Um, like did a lot of work in literary criticism and looking at literary texts to understand the relationship between um, knowledge production and um, like cultural like knowledge production and how that relates to actual material processes of conquest colonization and subjugation um yeah i don't know we have a really good well i found this quote from Homi baba that i think kind of sums up the stakes of postcolonial theory okay um, Baba says, in this is in his book, The Location of Culture, which if you just Google, there's like a PDF of it. Um, he says that, quote, Remembering is never a quiet act of introspection or retrospection. It is a painful re-remembering, a putting together of the dismembered past to make sense of the trauma of the present. It is such a memory of the history of race and racism, colonialism, and the question of cultural identity, end quote. So post theory is... Um, It's about exploring, like, the cultural legacy of colonization and what that means for both the nation state and also, like, the individual
0: subject. And when you say memory, it doesn't need to be, like, it could be several generations removed from the actual colonial. So I just want to make that so when you say memory, it's kind of a cultural memory or... Because it's post, so it means after, the things that happen after a land is colonized, you know, people are colonized. Mm -hmm. So the lasting effects, which change, which can change over time, obviously. Yeah. Um, But I know that's something that, like, when I was learning, kind of um, had to sort of conceptualize for myself.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point that, Mm -hmm. like, um, and that can be kind of hard to, like, parse out, like. Because we're working with, like, actual histories of, like, okay, yeah. materially, like, what happened X, Y, Z, but then also, like, looking at these more, um, like, abstract theoretical concepts like cultural memory and how that relates to, like, like, historical events.
0: Uh-huh. hmm
1: Um, I guess we'll do, like, a quick survey of, and this is, like, of course not, like, the only post-colonial theory out there, but I just want to mention, like, a few texts. Um, okay
0: which we'll link, which we'll re- relist on our yes. website.
1: <laughs> um, so the first text is, um, Edward Said's Orientalism, um, 1978. Um, this was a really like seminal text that, um, that theorized, the concept of Orientalism. Um, and Edward Said kind of explored how the West created a binary logic to the East, um, to know the East was to control and define the East.
0: Yeah. Um, Sorry, we there's a cat present yeah, who is wants who's just really wants to be a guest. And yeah, maybe she, is hearing her mom talking and is getting excited. She's okay. angry.
1: Yeah. Um, now she's climbing in like a closet. Okay. But, um, anyway, Edward Said. Uh, so his like the upshot of his work is that he's um, tracing how like intellectual apparatus like literature, um, produce narratives. And even if they're not grounded in reality, they create a dialectical image of the East, for example, that is then used, um, to control and define the East. Um, and so this like underlies like material practices of colonization is the production of knowledge and narratives about the East.
0: So is it kind of exoticizing the East like scarves and, and sort of, um, mystic medicine and kind of all those sort of, uh, I mean, I'm thinking about representations and images. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think all of those things you said, um, like Said looks at like literatures and how yeah, the East is represented as both like sensuous, but also barbaric, um, and how that in turn constructs like a counter image of the West as Organized, rational, moral, etc. So,
0: so the East is not sort of caught up as much in civilization. So, sort of the uncivilized, which also um, kind of justifies uh, sexual assault or sexual—I uh, want to say sexual colonialism. I don't even know if that's a term, but kind of the women are there. They're they're more open. They're there for sexual pleasure and things like that.
1: Yeah, that's totally right. And I think like. The, like, these representations show how knowledge becomes an instrument of domination, how these ideas about, for example, women in, you know, the East, like, serve to justify actual, like, sexual violence, for example. And, but the point is that, like, there is no East and West. These are both, like, discursive constructions, but yeah. even if they're not real, or even if these, you know, divisions aren't real, they still have material consequences. So, orientalism it's a great book i'm sure it's also available like on pdf somewhere yeah um um i don't yeah what else do i have i don't want to
0: talk forever but i'll just can, can you talk about um the idea of mimicry
1: yeah this is from homie k baba who and this is his piece of mimicry and man the ambivalence of colonial discourse 1984 um and homie k baba he looks at the ways in which um Native and Indigenous peoples, um, like, imitate colonizers culturally. Um, and he suggests that this, like, imitation is a form of, like, double articulation that cracks the colonizer's power. And it shows, like, the destabilization of meaning. So the idea, I guess, is um, if a Native or Indigenous person dressed up in the, um, the clothes of that were, like, the fashion of the British colonizers this is um a a form of mimicry but it's a destabilization of power
0: okay so instead of it you could look at it as saying okay well they've been totally quote-unquote converted and being controlled by their colonizers but actually it's sort of a a subtle way of um
1: of critique
0: yeah critique critique. okay um I think, yeah, I think that's really interesting because it kind of helps rewrite um, and really think about history the way because, you know, we probably, I think about, um, you know, probably in history books, they'd be like, oh, but the colonial, they dressed up and they came mm-hmm. to the palace or they came to see the government and thinking that it's sort of like a victory that they have been civilized. But I like that sort of really asking if what we're seeing is the whole picture.
1: Yeah, and I think this has some interesting connections to, like, Judith Butler's theory of, like, gender performativity mm-hmm. and, um, and, like, do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? I'm kind of forgetting, like, how is it, uh, like, humor or play, like, gender play is... Well,
0: gender play, she said that to kind of fuck with um, performativity, you have to almost, it's like, a, it's like exaggerating it. To exaggerate yeah. it is to point it out, to point mm-hmm. out the cracks in it. What um, Something I'm really interested in that I almost, that I learned about is cultural nostalgia or post-colonial nostalgia. How if you are a colonizer, um, you almost have this um, conflicting idea that you're actually nostalgic how things once were when people were, quote-unquote, under rule. Or if you know a place is colonized and then technology is advanced and you have a quote-unquote advanced society there's almost a wish to go back to what was considered uncivilized and then kind of you map that onto people that creates a really really um harmful tension in Mm -hmm. that do you think i'm describing that correctly
1: but yeah i think like this notion of think it's like boim is like the last name like imperial nostalgia
0: imperial nostalgia yeah and again
1: like this connects back to like edward Said's work where it's like you have a nostalgia for for things that weren't real yeah like there was no colonial utopia like this never happened except you know you're able to like invoke these feelings of nostalgia you know through art through um cultural tourism and, you know, through these other cultural practices. And this in turn like rewrites history and rewrites, um, the narrative of something that was, um,
0: is there, um, any fictional works or literary texts or films or anything that are really kind of that people look to as like a good example of post-colonial texts.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting question. Thanks. I thought yeah. it was
0: interesting. <laughs> um, I'm trying to Not think. Not to put you on the spot, but I'm yeah. just trying to like think more in examples.
1: Yeah. No, because like, post-colonial theory, like it is very... It's I, don't, I feel like it's like a good example of high theory. Like There's a lot of yeah. moving parts. It's very... It deals with a lot of, um, I don't know, like Foucaultian, Lacanian ideas yeah. about power, subjectivity, and knowledge. And so it's kind of hard sometimes to ground it in knowledge. I think... One thing that is actually like that's interesting, and like this isn't like an actual title of a text, um, but looking at medieval travel logs, huh, written by like Europeans when they were um traveling like eastward to like Russia, for example, or like mm-hmm. to now what we would call Eastern Europe, um, and I'm like, if you just google like medieval like travel logs, it's about um traders merchants who are going east and they they draw pictures and they write and they describe their travels and it's really interesting because they're traveling like within what we would call europe today yeah but they engage in these practices of like orientalism exotification that we do now when you know you have like a travel blogger you know from the U.S. going to Thailand and writing about, like, oh, my God, there's so many, like, beautiful flowers and coconuts. Like, what a, like, a fun time. So I think, like, looking at some of these kind of, like, historical documents, like, shows us that these processes were at work, but it wasn't all, like, the East was a moving target. Yeah. Like, you know, any place, like, colonial relationships, like, happened in Europe, too.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking of two things at the moment. One is ethnographic film. And how that can turn postcolonial, and there, there's a really amazing chapter about things like the early films of the Island of Dr. Moreau and King Kong. Just this idea of um, people conquering an island and they're savages. So in all the King Kong remakes, even the most recent one, um, there's this these dark skinned islanders that are. Seen as animal-like, and the white settlers or white filmmakers are there to conquer it. Um, so that actually uh, is is a really good chapter that I um, one of the best things I've read. The other thing it's making me think of is that um, in actually, it's a book we're going to be reading for later in. Uh, it's called Imperial Consumerism, Ooh, that's and it is about how um, global. Global uh, products were sold to women in the 1950s to deco- to for their domestic space because the sort of the decoration and upkeep of domestic space obviously was a huge thing in the 50s. So women would have these; um, would really there was a demand for like scarves and like flowing sort of like uh they would make that room that little corner where there's like pillows on the floor oh, wow. like bright satin pillows to look eastern um to have all these knickknacks in your house that are from like traders of the east of the orient um so i mean that was really interesting too so that make, that makes me think of kind of this mm-hmm. idea of the east and post colonial
1: yeah i think um Looking at, I know, like, Edward Said, he writes about, um, like, Jane Austen literature and, like, the, the role of the East in, like, those books. And I uh-huh. think Agatha Christie novels are also kind oh, of, yeah. like, a good example of how you can see, um, like, the UK's relationship and imagination of the East, like, in that work, um, mm-hmm. you know, with Hercule Poirot, like, you know, traveling to Syria, or Egypt, I think that's mm-hmm. where he goes, and... Just, like, the dynamics there between, um, like, these discourses of, like, civilization and, like, development. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I'll have to, like, think more about that.
0: So, um, breaking news, the book that I was calling is, said, is called The Third Eye, Race, Cinema, and Ethnographic Spectacle by um, Fatima Roney, Um And I would definitely recommend it. And it's actually um, easy to find. And it's also check your local library. It's also, you could buy a used copy, but um, it's one of the one of the first um, things that introduced me to post-colonial theory through film. All right.
1: Yeah, I think the, I feel like we've got like the main themes. I'm just going to like mention um, Dupesh Chakrabarty and Provincializing Europe, um, which was published in 2000. I think like this last, he's a really good example of um, the way that you can apply post-colonial theory in like a harder way to like history for example the yeah. post-colonial theory isn't just about okay cultural representations which of course are really important um but he's critiquing how europe is viewed as this um like paragon or like true north when we're writing about history and he's arguing that we need to have both like a conceptual but also a spatial reorientation um of our understanding of European historicism and that we need to provincialize Europe in the way that we have provincialized the East um, and like push back against these like universalizing logics of like linear historical development that leads to liberal democracy. So he's arguing for new rubrics of social development um, that question the nation state and question, um, you know, what is viewed as like naturalized in like historical scholarship. So um he's a great author and also Stuart Hall um he's written a lot about cultural identity and diaspora, cultural identity and cinematic representation. Um he's my fave. So he's very works like within the concept of diaspora studies, which kind of comes out of this question of like the post colony, like what happens when you're dispersed from your homeland. What is
0: so diaspora is is um you're not st- you're not still on your homeland, but you were pushed out and therefore are still a post-colonial entity or culture.
1: Yeah. This is like, I get like kind of a hard question too. Like, um, like the diaspora, like you said, like it refers to like the dispersion of populations from their natal land, but that is often the result of like imperialism and colonization. Um, Paul Gilroy's the black Atlantic is, I think the best example he writes about, um, like the transatlantic slave trade um and like black communities that have been forcibly dispersed from like their african homelands like in um like europe and in the united states and so in that way like we can look at the transatlantic slave trade and be like this was the result of imperialism um but you know not all of these african nations were colonized but people were dispersed so there's a like a clear
0: like connection between these things so what would be an example of a diaspora in the United States right now
1: um the Iranian diaspora the Palestinian diaspora and I think like the one that's getting the most like the most acute right now is the Syrian diaspora because of the conflict in Syria that you have millions of Syrians fleeing um, to Europe and some trying to get to the United States but of course with like our immigration situation right now that's not possible okay um, yeah. I wasn't,
0: I feel like I was trying to quiz you. I'm just curious because <laughs> I know you. Um, but I'll give you a grade later.
1: Okay. Um, so,
0: moving yeah. on. Should we move on to the episode?
1: Yes, we should. Um, Woo! Yay! Lots
0: of chock full of... Oh, yeah. Lots of cultural imperialism. So much. Where so do you much. even want to start?
1: We could start with good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> I don't
0: think any of these women have seen that
1: movie. I, I don't think... Do you think that they could like fo- like could they point to Vietnam on a map? Do you think they know that there was a Vietnam War? Do you think they know? That? I
0: think they know a Vietnam War, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I could point to it on a map.
1: Okay. That's
0: okay. Um I mean I know of it relative to other countries. So right. if we're talking about like a completely blank map, no. But okay, there's I like a sense. some. There's some. Names. The Vietnam War, I think, has been so embedded in popular culture. And I think it's a turning point mm-hmm. um, of popular culture. Like when we. Like there's a couple things in pop culture. There's like post World War II, post Vietnam, post 9 right. 11 are kind of like a lot of the markers of kind of popular culture and mass culture. Mm-hmm. So I think the Vietnam War has been imagined in our culture through things like apocalypse now through full metal jacket through kind of this presence of Vietnam vets as a population.
1: Yeah. It was just very, it's like, it's interesting because I don't like, there's so many like subtext there, of course, but like, are the girls aware of that subtext? Like, are the producers aware of that? No, they were just like, say this. They were just like, say this morning Vietnam. Really
0: interesting. Also, um, Vietnam as like a beautiful location. I I know that the way that the Bachelor gets to travel is that they have deals with like the travel tourism board and yeah. the hotels they stay at. It's kind of this mutual thing. So somebody in Vietnam is you know they're they're looking for more tourism.
1: Yeah, I'm facilitating. Which
0: it. I can't. You know, tourism is a, is income for a country, but. So it does help that way, but it has other, as we've seen, it has other um, implications for Mm -hmm. that. So, yeah. Um, So, of course, they're going to do, like, Eastern things. Right.
1: Well, and this is, like, the whole thing that, like, what we're, what they're doing is, like, an imagination of the East. And then that is, like, commodified and sold to an audience as not even an idea of the East, but this is the East and yeah. like Vietnam. And they, like, there's no sense that like, there's any um like national specificity or like particularity. Yeah. Like, you know, there's just this homogenization of like, this is Eastern. Like yeah. we are in Asia. Like yeah. you don't get any, like there's like a despatialization of where they are.
0: So Hannah G, um, got the one-on-one date and they haven't really talked since she got the first First, impression. So they go to a spa Mm -hmm. and it's very that was for me reminiscent of like Eastern medicine and like Eastern healing and Eastern practices and kind of the unnamed silent people that are giving them the the services.
1: Yeah, these are all Vietnamese women who are you know, putting on their mud masks, doing their, like, banana leaf, you know, treatment. So there's also, like, this, like, clear, yeah, like, this clear, like, racial and class division of, like, you come to the East to engage in the sensuous, you know, pampering.
0: And that, and then, you know, kind of their, like, uh, intimacy and making Mm -hmm. out and shower was almost like being in this Eastern space released their primal and their you know sexual urges it's a very openly sexual place
1: yeah i mean this felt like the optics of this were so uncomfortable to me because you have you have them and they're like laying down like clear like making out while like these you know spa attendants are trying to put you know, trying to do the spa
0: experience like, Let for they put them. This fucking banana leaf on you, right? and it, they're, yeah. just, they're just
1: there's laying there, and they're being catered to these, you, or being catered by like these silent Vietnamese women. And there's just like the, it just I don't know. It's it's reminiscent of other more of other like colonial relationships. I think you know, like the optics of this. Like you think of of paintings of the British Raj laying yeah. down, being fed grapes or something like. And of course, for viewers, it's supposed to be romantic and beautiful. And like you said, this is like a space for them to like release. But if you connect it back to these other like these other colonial histories, it's it's really it's shocking. It's neo it's neo colonialism.
0: Yeah. And thinking about I mean, this is all along The Bachelors, this um, the idea of like a date is excess and a date is lavishing these women with expensive treatments and gifts. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's. Through you know, and kind of the, I think about the privilege of traveling, especially through the 1800s and 1900s, and how that became more uh, available to the rich to go and see the the wilds of the East.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, like, other than yeah, it was just it was it was a strange date. It was a strange day. Also, and...
0: don't love like I don't love watching people make out that was I'm not a prude but like I just it's it's yeah I don't it, it's just weird
1: well I think like it it gets to like what you mentioned before of like oh well like we're on this date we're in the mud bath like our our primal energies are released yeah and you know that's not something that was being shot or that's not a date that was offered in I don't know you know California like they weren't you know, they weren't doing this. Where there's type, plenty of
0: spas. You know, yeah. yeah, like and
1: so it's like, well, why? Why is this the time? Why is this the place for yeah. you guys to do this date? And why is also, why is this the time for you to engage in this like romantic expression? Like for, yeah. you know, for all these shots. And I think it's because there is this discourse and there's this understanding of, oh, we're in Vietnam. Like we are being released. Like we are not ourselves. You know, yeah. as we would be in. I mean, I don't think they would do this if they were in Virginia. Like, you know, when Becca, you know, her season went to Virginia and they like, went to like the Poe Museum. Yeah, like it's very clearly like a form of like neo-colonial like cultural tourism. Yeah. So and
0: so the the spa date, yeah. So
1: anything else? Like they? Well, they
0: obviously are like they're obviously very physically attracted to each other, which like cool, but is that really going to? Well no, I'm jumping into other parts of episode. Yeah, yeah, okay. So going so, so going more for that. Um then they the group date is a, is they partake in a martial arts competition.
1: Yeah.
0: With the host of the Bachelor of Vietnam, Vietnam which I see why they did that, but I, I don't know it didn't really add anything aside from him just being there as a token real life Vietnamese person. So and, I,
1: well, just a side note, I think it was Bachelor of Vietnam where two female contestants left the show to be together,
0: yes. um, which yes.
1: was, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised
0: it doesn't happen more.
1: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so they do this um, martial arts date, and I think, like, for the start of it, I literally was, like, I was actively screaming because, yeah. like, the girls, like, come out, I don't know, Colton's standing there in the middle, and then he's like, doing, like, a faux fight scene with these other, like, Vietnamese martial, like, practitioners. Yeah. And he he bests them. And I just literally, like, wanted to scream because this is literally the, op, like, colonial optics of, like, Colton doesn't know anything about this art form. Yeah. Colton, like, go, I don't, I'm sure he's a fit person, but this is not something that he knows about. He's not yeah. proficient in this. But of course, he's just able to like, you know, to best these two Vietnamese men who are literally their instructors. And so yeah. it just is these optics of of Colton is the strong, virile white man who can fight and can conquer, conquer these, um, these Vietnamese, you know, these Vietnamese men. And so that just, it brings up so many, um, so many like colonial mythologies about the virality of white men the submissive alleged submissiveness of asian men like it's just really it, i was it was gross it was a terrible scene so
0: in orientalism and this eastern way um the men are often feminized too yeah kind of middle eastern men are feminized um and just going back um kind of just in my work in like romance novels you can see that post-colonial and kind of the the um after the shake um, that movie and book like there's all these shake romances and like going to yeah yeah going and like royalty and these American women are either stolen or find themselves in the Middle East with these rich yeah rich magnates or rich royalty so there's a lot of that so kind of that is kind of like that like this man conquering, conquering you know going along with the line that The Bachelor is a white supremacist dating show which I have maintained yeah so So then they 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 oh. spar and I like that the women are just like first we're on this fucking group date yeah. and now we have to do this. Like to I just, just I actually appreciated their actual annoyance. Yeah. And Demi was really annoyed and I actually felt for her like
1: yeah, I felt kind of bad for her as well. It's
0: but... like you're in they're at the point where this is I think what the producers like they're away from home, they're mm-hmm. kind of isolated, yeah. they're not getting a lot of sleep, they're disoriented, um, they're away from their comfort zone, and then they have them do all this physical activity, Yeah, and it, of course it does bring out emotions, mm-hmm. and they do that on purpose.
1: Yeah, I think it was just very, I don't, and, you know, and of course like this is, it's a date, it's like an activity, it's an event, but. And I know that, like, you're not going to become proficient in this art form in, like, a 45-minute instruction. But, again, I think, like, this date does show this. um, It it trivializes Vietnamese culture and, you know, Vietnamese martial art forms. And there's, I think, like, a sense of, like we've seen in the other dates when they were in Singapore, like, oh, my gosh, this is a joke. This is so weird or this is so foreign. This is so exotic. And so there's a, um, you know, on one level, I don't think that, I think that yeah like people are tired they're not they don't know what this is but i think like the within the broader conversation yeah those like dynamics are at play within that date yeah um what else did they do though there was like there was that chris harrison was just there
0: yeah what did Kerpa do on her date
1: um i like basically blacked out because um i was kind of bored but they seemed like they went like they ate some food they were on the Beach, and then they went sea urchin fishing.
0: Oh, God. That is like, the, then, that is like basically the producer saying, is boring as fuck. Like, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah.
1: I guess I don't have as much to, like, there was nothing, like, blatantly.
0: Well, he, this is, and I mean, I know this is the, the this is the hill I'm going to die on, that yeah. Colton Said he likes her because she's, I mean, he basically implied that like she's pretty even keeled, yeah, she's not emotional, mm-hmm. she makes him feel relaxed because it's all about him. So, yeah. you know, here is this woman, this woman of color, and I don't know her background, um, kind of providing for him. And he does the same thing with Tasha, yeah, like true, Tasha true. is his, you know, whenever his rock. he's his rock, whenever he sees her smile, yeah, um. There was a lot of time spent on um, Sydney trying to decide if she was going to be there a lot. So we didn't, going out, there wasn't a lot. There was a lot of sort of like internal emotional stuff, which I think um, we can move on to because I have some thoughts about it.
1: I think the only thing I guess I'll say about purpose date, um, like thinking about it, is that it um, it like despatializes again, that like Vietnam is like, is analogous to any other country in Southeast Asia. Like, you know, yeah. the beach, like the tropical foliage yeah. and then like walking on the streets, like it's very, um, interchangeable. So, yeah. um, there was like reading it on the surface, you could say like, Oh wow. Like you just got like how pretty, but I think like there's some more, um, some of that like homogenization and like exotification that is also like visually
0: at play there. I think when you look at like tourism studies, it's like the place is a backdrop for them. It's not mm. an actual space where people live. It's a place yeah. to be staged, yeah. Front stage and back, like backstage would be the actual work that goes into and you yeah wherever you, they
1: were and you don't see or hear from any. Um, you know, other than like the host of Bachelor of yeah. Vietnam, like there's no
0: the other people are hidden. Yeah.
1: Like then they're like used to facilitate the action like of these, um of these white traffickers. Yeah. So yeah.
0: But um okay. So you what are the other things? Okay. So let's talk about how I think it was Kaylin said about Hannah that first of all they were dragging Hannah that she just was like they were like basically she's boring or dumb yeah. or she's got nothing going on and then Kaylin said, I think she's relied on her beauty for so long. Now, I people are dragging Kaylin for saying that, but a couple things I want to say is one, I think Kaylin is knowledgeable about that because True. I think she has had experience with that and maybe yeah. she being in like the beauty pageant world has that experience and maybe she's coming to a realization that like I I can't be this way anymore that like mm-hmm. I have to look beyond that, especially given her past. And also, yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe she has. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, this was interesting because it, like, yeah, like, like you said, like, I think, like, the same thing could be level at Kaylin, Yeah. like, on some yeah. level. All of them. Right, yeah. But, like, also, it's, it was interesting for me like, hear someone say it. Like, what I, I feel like a lot of, like, the audience is, like, is thinking that, yeah. you know, especially for this season where... Like, these women are so young, like, yeah. you know, and they seem very, and of course, like, you know, again, like, we can't, the presentation and the the editing and the cuts, like, what we're seeing is not the full reality and the full, like, yeah. self of these people, but. So
0: Hannah, how Hannah G is represented is she doesn't have much personality. Right. She's just really nice, and Colton thinks she's hot. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Which is fine when you date as a 23 and a 26-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, the, in this space where marriage is right. the end goal, it does get kind of uncomfortable. Um, I, You know, I'm going to contradict myself. I, I don't really like that she said that. It's not great, I mean, to say that about somebody, but then again, it's edited and... True you know, opening up and vulnerability is, like, this capital. And since it seems like Hannah's not really opening up to the other women, which, like, fine, she doesn't have to. You know what I mean? So that is um, kind of, you know, hurting her. But it's, again, it's the whole, like, I'm not here to make friends. Like, in order to be the perfect person, you have to put in the emotional labor towards everybody.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that
0: was that. Okay, so Demi... Let's talk oh, about Demi. Dem- this was there's a lot of rough stuff.
1: Yeah, I think it was. It was very like exploitative. Oh like... god, yeah.
0: Whenever somebody does like a milestone or like does a really like intense thing with Colton, they, they get sent home. So she called her mom,
1: who was recently released from federal prison.
0: And as soon as she said, "Let's call my mom together," I was like, "I don't even think I can hear this." Like even the mother was like, "Oh hey, oh hey, Colton." Yeah. Like.
1: It's just very uncomfortable, because I think, like, this, it's it's almost like an uncomfortable intrusion of the real on the yeah. show, and they don't know how to, to deal with it, because it's obviously, like, a source of, like, you know, this was, like, a difficulty for Demi, and, like, you know, like, a, a tragedy, quote-unquote, like, yeah. you know, within the Bachelor universe, like, in her life, but it doesn't, it's not, like, a good tragedy, you know, or, like, it's yeah. not something that... It's complicated, and I don't think that the Bachelor has like an understanding of like class dynamics in the prison industrial yeah. complex. Like, yeah. there, there's not an easy way to engage with a topic like that compared to, um, you know, other topics where there, you know, someone has a death in the family. Like, that is objectively a sad and bad thing, yeah. and someone should have sympathy for that. But Demi, you know, how do you deal with that? I think that I don't think they dealt with it in a very good yeah. way.
0: So then later, I think after Kirpa's date, she... And obviously, I think a producer coaxed her. They're like, oh, do you want to go over and tell Colton how he feels? So she goes to Colton's room or cabin or whatever he was staying in to talk to him. And she was like, I'm in love with you. And I actually think... I actually liked this scene. It felt actually more real than most scenes because I think, A... Again, we give we give men the like for doing the bare minimum of decency. They get like medals, but Colton right away was like, "I don't feel I don't like." He was very much like, "I don't know, like I just don't feel the same." Like he was just like yeah. right out and said it. I think that he is good about like delivering bad news, like anything <laughs> yeah, for him. True. Like he has the times when he has like when he sent that other person home. I thought he did it the best in the best way that he could, like... Yeah, with, her. like, respect and empathy. Yeah, and, yeah. like, being straightforward in that, so... And then Demi said, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that, which was very real to me. Yeah. One, I think on one level it meant, like, she's like, uh, this isn't... Im- like, I don't know what to say. Yeah, this like, is this horrible. Is so, yeah, this and also, I don't know what to say because I'm on a show. Yeah. So I think there was, like, a double level there.
1: Mm-hmm. and Double articulation. Yeah,
0: so she... That was interesting. The producers totally set her up.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, glad that he said it and didn't wait because he was right. He could have waited for the rose ceremony, which yeah. was just kind of awful. So she went home. I feel bad for her. I don't. I she's going to be okay. She'll, she, she'll definitely be. fine. I'm not saying she was lying when she said she loved Colton, but I think the 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 what way I've read this show is done. Like the women sometimes do feel like they're in love because of the situation. It's so intense. And yeah, later on, course. they're like, well, not really. She's going to be okay. You know, she yeah. is, I think, needless to say, she's going to be on Paradise. I think she's yeah. going to do great on Paradise. I really like her. She's got presence. You know, she's gorgeous.
1: Yeah. She just needs to tap down the ageism. Yeah. Well, but, yes, I forgot about that. Yeah. But I
0: think she is going to be okay. And yeah. I think if anybody is a good, like, this is a compliment, a good reality star, she is, she's is very good at it. Like, yeah. she knows... She knows what to give, but also Mm -hmm. to, like, own herself. So, Demi's going to be okay. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting. And actually, I was just talking about this um, in the presentation we did on the panel about how (laughs) The Bachelor isn't about finding love, it's about women failing at love. So, this was, like, between this and Sydney, this is what the show is about. They they say they're about finding love, but this is the ways in which, um, you know, and Demi putting herself that not that Colton asked her to leave in that way but then but then Sydney deciding to leave.
1: Well, yeah, and that means I feel like Demi is cast as then more deserving of love because you know, after yeah. this because she, you know, she has suffered a heartbreak. She's yeah. put herself out there compared to I mean, I think like Sydney was more logical, like you know, like like, like on the one hand,
0: Sydney was correct. I was like, yeah, yes, she was right. right. She was like, obviously,
1: like he's not into me, and I think he's just looking for like a very small blonde woman. Like he's not like subconsciously looking for like a serious relationship. And then, you know, I don't know. I don't think that I'm not sure we'll see Sydney in Paradise. I'm not sure that Sydney will get like a redemption arc like within like the Bachelor reality space
0: because she. I don't know. She broke this fantasy of. I think the people that succeed on Bachelor in Paradise, you don't. They they usually are not given a lot of screen time. on true, Bachelor. True, Like I think. True, true. Well, no, I mean Demi. Okay, I just I'm gonna take that back. What I just said, but I think Sydney like has the potential. I like people on Paradise who like know what they want. Yeah. So I actually think Sydney and Sydney's a, a catch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. So I think I could see her on that. On the other hand, like, you could say, like, Sydney, you've seen the show. Like, you know what's going to happen. So right, right, right. I think she did what I would have done, which is, like, she's like, I know I'm going to get voted off. Let me not.
1: Yeah, let's not do that. Which
0: people, I'm sure the producers don't love because then she can't go to a rose ceremony. But she's like, it's not going to happen. Let me yeah. cut my losses. Let yeah. me go in, like, my way, dignity-wise. right, right. I right. wonder if they're, like, what sort of contract they have that they, if they can leave... On their own volition, or like they lose out on something.
1: I'm. I bet they probably have to maybe clear it with a producer first. Or yeah, something. if it's
0: a good story. Yeah,
1: you know, like they can't like because there is like equal amount of like you know I don't know like filmic content. You know, if they have a good early departure conversation, and like this clearly did because it caused you know Colton to engage in some like self introspection like about like oh my god like who's not ready you know yeah. so I think that if if
0: I probably this is what it is if you want to leave you have to have a conversation on screen about why oh yeah definitely that makes sense yeah but, I um... think you know in Colton I don't I mean I don't hate Colton he's not evil <laughs> I just really don't like the values that he has as far as women goes but I mean there was a lot of like like break and see he, he was like of course yes I want to get to know like yeah. I'm going to try, but he's like, I'm dating for like, yeah. six other women, so I don't, can't give you what you want. You know yeah. what I mean? I think he was honest about that. Yeah. And he, again, it's like, Colton, you know what you signed up for. But again, doing it, he is really kind of struggling. He's, he's, and then this whole thing about people telling him who, that people aren't here. Who are the shiny fre- object. He's kind of freaking out about it, and I kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, I, think- I like that he is, like, suddenly doubting this. Yeah. Because it just makes it more interesting.
1: Well, it's interesting. They're all talking
0: about Hannah G. I mean, Hannah B., let's be honest. Hannah, sorry.
1: sorry. They're talking about shake?
0: the Hannahs. Everybody that's like, some people aren't here for the right also reason. Also, the They're... Heather. Maybe. I like Heather. You know what? Heather should
1: be, Heather should win. Um, Who's the other one? Um, Cassie. Yeah, like, I don't think. Or, yeah,
0: I don't yeah. know much about Cassie yet. We, we know, I mean, she hasn't contacted us yet, yeah, so, so how can we? so
1: rude. Um, yeah, but... I mean, I think it's, like, it's all, it's a spectrum, but it's also, it's interesting to see people's subconscious, like, desires come out, like, with Ari, where he was, like, no, I want, like, an independent woman, like, I want an outgoing woman, (laughs) you know, and then even with, like, even with Nick, like, you know, looking back, like, there were some amazing women on his season, and... He chooses, like, oh, I'm Vanessa, like, I'm from Canada, and, like, I'm, a, like, I love making, like, Italian food with my family and being at I home. mean,
0: honestly, Nick and Rachel would have been a power couple.
1: Definitely. That and would then, have been
0: great. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, like, it's interesting to see, like, the, the discourse doesn't match the action. Because, yeah. you know, all of these, you know, even when the relationships fail, like, the men always choose submissive like quiet you know yeah women which and i think this is going to happen again i don't know if colton will eventually marry
0: whoever he picks so he is dead set he wants to get engaged like he is like there's no other way i'm getting engaged on this show so the fact that these women aren't like it's just like how much time do you think he has actually spent with any of them like maybe four hours total even twelve hours. Yeah, right? I was gonna
1: say maybe like twenty four hours like in total with yeah. some like if you've had a one on one and then you have like some
0: of these women he just had their fur like he just met Kerpa one on one and like yeah. maybe she'll he'll meet her family one day, like in a week. Yeah. I mean it's just it's ridiculous. It's... I mean we've talked about how ridiculous that is. Two other things I wanna say yes. or well no, I mean you can... and, and you can say fifteen things well. if you want the way <laughs> to say that. Uh one is that Tasha said to hear that he is curious about me is a big deal Mm, the bar is the floor the bar is the floor i mean wow he's actually interested in me like he wants to know what i'm thinking or like is interested so i
1: i think taisha is great i like watching her and i think she's too good for this so i hope that she
0: but when we say they're too good for it, they're still on the show. They true, still have true, decided true. to be true, on the show. True. So I you know, where I, I think that she Yeah, he just loves her because she makes him feel good. Yeah. And she performs well for him. Yeah. So when the other women so but when at the end of the rose ceremony, who went home? Oh uh, uh, Katie,
1: which was unfortunate. Was, <laughs> I like
0: Katie. Poor Katie. Yeah. Um she's she's, she's the great. one who said the shiny object.
1: Is she? No, no, no.
0: Oh, uh, Sydney said that.
1: Yeah, Sydney said. Katie was like, um, "Don't I don't want you to like misunderstand me. I like sometimes can't show my emotions." And he was like, "I totally understand." And then he was like,
0: "Bye." Well, yes, yeah, she was saying she was apologizing for not yeah for not showing the emotions that are appropriate on the show. Like yeah. you can show emotions towards him. But you can't show emotion towards the other women. Yeah. So it's at Santa. And oh, then, yeah. I don't know if you caught this, um, Kerpa and Taysha. Mm-hmm. I think Tasha said to Kerpa, watch, it'll be us two. Mm. And and I think she meant us two women of color because the other women there. Like, I, that's how I read it. She's like, that's watch, sh- it'll be us two. Yeah. Because now it's them and yeah. like Hannah G, Hannah B, Kaylin, Cassie. Yeah. Who else is there? Did I miss anyone? Actually no, we're really getting like down to it. Yeah, and I don't we don't really know a lot about Cassie. Um Other hint, in, yeah. yeah,
1: I don't know. I just there I don't think that like I don't I remember watching a season where people were so flat personality wise. Like of, of The Bachelor, where like I literally like do not know anything about like these women or like their personalities. Like even I don't know, like like, even Becca or something, like, she's a pretty bubbly, you yeah. know, you know, pretty, like, I don't know, like, stereotypically, like, attractive, white, bubbly woman. But, like, she had more of, like, a, I don't know, like, a sense of self, a presentation of self. And, again, like, it comes down to, like, cuts and editing. Yeah. And we don't know, but this is quite interesting to see. I mean, I
0: think Hannah B has a very fractured sense of herself because she's mm. so regulatory of her emotions about when she should be a fun girl and like that whole fight she had when Colton wouldn't talk to her until she was just happy and bubbly again. Yeah. But the other women do not like her. They think that I bet they think that she is the one that is, what do you think they're talking about when they say there's people that aren't ready, which first of all could be all of them because nobody should be ready after this time.
1: Well, it was interesting because, um, Demi like kind of said that too, right? Yeah. Um, I think that, I think they might be referring to Heather.
0: Oh. But I'm not sure. Oh, Heather, we forgot Heather. Heather's still there. Yeah, but I'm
1: not sure, you know, and I think, like, that would make the most sense to me. Is it
0: because of her, because she, her experience, like, her physical experience? That's kind of not, that's kind of not fair.
1: I think, I think it might be her, um... I think it might be her, and then I also think the Hannah, Alabama Hannah.
0: Yeah. I think that that's right. And I don't know. Like... I think that's who they're talking about. Or they could be talking about everybody. They could be talking about Tasha, They could be talking about Kurt. Like, none yeah. of them are ready. Yeah. Even if they think they are. Yeah. Okay. Any, okay.
1: Yeah, did you hear any things, any things heard in seminar? Things heard? Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay, here's a couple. I want to
1: hear them. I'm excited.
0: Rejection doesn't feel good
1: true okay me when i get comments yeah this is
0: just this is things you hear in seminar that you might hear in the graduate seminar that are also in the bachelor that came out um this is a positive one i feel like i am exactly where i need to be Mm,
1: that's nice yeah that's good
0: i don't know what's going on this has been a confusing week (laughs) every week i like showering (laughs) That's sometimes you don't hear that. (laughs) Uh, I hate this. I'm over it. That's me sometimes. True. Have I ever bullied anyone here?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely, that's a good one.
0: All right. And this one, this is something that Colton said, and I was still trying to decipher it. Okay. Don't think for a second that I don't see you not trying. What? Yeah. (laughs) Like, so if we take out the don'ts, if the don'ts cancel out, we'll say... Think for a second that I see you not trying. So he actually didn't say what he meant to say. I still say. don't understand. Don't think for a second. Oh, he was like, "Don't think for a second that I don't see you not trying." I think he said that to Sydney or somebody. I think Katie. Maybe. Yeah, Katie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When she left. When but yeah, left. yeah,
1: that makes sense. So okay. that's
0: a confusing one.
1: But seminars often confusing. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, we do. We have any listener questions this week?
0: We do. Oh wow. Okay. One from Jenny.
1: Oh, interesting. A new listener.
0: Yeah. Jenny asks, is there any sort of it when they go international, what would a date be that would be kind of respectful of the country? Can we think of a way oh, that they could respect
1: that's a good without post-tran. being
0: imperialist?
1: Hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I've seen like, you know, when I've in the past, like when I've watched to see uh like, a date. Mm, I'm almost thinking, um, I don't know. Like, on one level, it's, like, it's difficult because, like, I don't know. You have maybe, like, seven minutes of, like, footage of, yeah. like, the date. And to be like, okay, well, this is, like, the history of um, this place. I almost I almost think that sometimes that it's, um, they do a better job when they go to Europe. Like, when Ari went to Paris. Or when, um, uh, Caitlin went to Dublin. Is that because
0: it's Europe, though, and it's harder to...
1: I think that maybe it's that there is more, like, cultural familiarity with, like, the production team. And so they're able, they're like, oh, well, I have this level of, like, understanding and awareness. And so, you know, you get a more complex or you get a more, like, nuanced type of date where, like, instead of, like, being, I don't know, like... You're like, I'm going to eat a shamrock and drink beer, like, yeah. in Ireland. They're like, oh, well, we're going to go to this cathedral and, like, hear music, and then we're going to, like, go to this, okay. like, famous, like, restaurant. And when I don't really see that a lot when they're like, we're going to, like, Southeast Asia or something.
0: Yeah, I agree. Maybe, like, a historical yeah. place that is important to the, mm-hmm. which it's always probably still going to be touristy, but, like, let's yeah. look at the history of this yeah. or...
1: I think that that's – and I think also it's important to, um, to get more of a sense of, like, interaction, like, with, like, the community that you're yeah. visiting. So having, like, a more um, – like, the jungle date was very bad, it was Orientalist, but, like, you did have – um this is in Thailand, right? Yeah, like, you had, like, a Thai guide, you know, explaining things, you know, like, you had, like, this interaction, and so I don't, like, a jungle date is not good, but I think maybe if you had that, like, at a historic site or, you know, like, at a market or something where, like, you get a sense of, like, okay, I'm here and I'm actually, like, um, you know, I'm supporting the local economy, I'm interacting with, like, the community that I'm in, and I'm learning about, like, the place that I'm in, like, I have, like, a connection to it, and then, um... You know, I think that that would be like a better formula.
0: Again, the bar is the floor, but the I bar remember is the floor. <laughs> a date somewhere where they like a chef join them and help them make food on a date. Interesting, and like yeah. explained things, and still food is still exoticizing right, right, in right. the easiest way. But yeah, yeah, that's a good question because as much as we are critiquing, mm-hmm. I I would say don't go. It's no. the best way. Yeah, but I I know why they do it, and yeah. of all the faults on the show. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not the one. bar is the floor. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: interesting question. Yeah, thank you, Jenny.
0: I mean, I think the whole structure is set up
1: is yeah that you
0: have to like tear down the structure to even right do that. You can't. It's that's like putting a band aid on yeah. the show.
1: Well, I think honestly, just like modeling things after like like in, inter U.S. travel dates, where it's like, where do they go in like Salt Lake City, Utah? Or so, I don't know. Like they went to like some apothecary, and then they went to a concert, and they, like, got food, and it was just more, um, to, like, have the same type of planning and treatment of space as you do in the United States as you do in, um, another country.
0: Or just acknowledging the history of the land, or, like, the history of yeah. the people, which is so, for us, we're like, we want to see history museums, whereas, like, people in The Bachelor are not really thinking about, no, like, <sighs> the genealogy of how it came to be, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, we'll
1: see. Maybe... Chris Harrison's listening, and he'll yeah. take our um, comments into consideration next.
0: Yeah, season. thank you. So, um, well, thank you for being here today. Oh, thank. Um, oh, you're thanking me. Okay, <laughs> our listeners. Um, thank you're you welcome to our listeners as well. Um, if you would like to email us with any feedback or critique or listener questions, it's bachelorcriticaltheory@gmail.com, and all of the show notes, etc. And you can, you know, how you can subscribe is at can I steal you for a sec. .tumblr.com. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Um, rate us five stars.
1: Leave us a review.
0: Yeah, that would be much appreciated. That would and be cool. if you know somebody who is in this very niche target audience, please send it to them.
1: Yeah. Um, and next week, do we know what we're doing?
0: No, we never know. I never look. Well, we'll figure it out. As soon yeah. as we turn this off, we'll look. We'll and then. That. And then if you're listening to the next episode, you'll know from the episode <laughs> title. So let's just leave it at that. All right. Um, well, okay. thank you. Yep. Thanks. thanks. Bye. Bye.